Welcome to the Wild Heart Diaries, a podcast for brave souls, sensitives and spiritual detectives. Hello, I'm Lisa and I want to share my healing adventures with you, the practical and the woo. I recorded these chats to bring you hope, comfort and give you the courage to follow your wild heart. Hello, it's Lisa here. Welcome to the Wild Heart Diaries. I'm really excited you're here today because this podcast marks the beginning of something brand new. There's nothing like it, is it? It's like starting a brand new journal or diary. And I made this podcast for you and for me and for all the lovely souls who are healing from trauma, toxic relationships or shitty situationships and need a little bit of love and support. You know, they need a friend who can be there for them and that gets it and um, that's me I'm your friend if you want me to be <laughs> it reminds me actually of that saying by um, is it Ram Das who said we're all just walking each other home which we are and online at the moment and because of the current world situation we're seeing a lot of division and not a lot of support people being pitted against each other by the um, by the powers that be shall we say and so I think um, it's quite timely for that reason. So for those of you that don't know me, I was the smiley coach and I coach children and I grew up as a wild heart. Um, Hang on, let me just tell you what a wild heart is before we go any further because I think that might be helpful at this point. So I'm going to read from my book Stuck Between Two Worlds, which is my story actually, but it's told by Ruby Wildheart, who is my 10 year old self. So if you're into inner child work, it's really the story of my inner child It was the first telling of my truth, really, and it took a lot of courage, but it only felt safe enough to tell it from the child's perspective. So maybe the Wild Heart Diaries is one step on from that, and now it's my grown-up Lisa self, well, as grown-up as I can be, (laughs) um, telling the story to you. So in the book it says, a wild heart is a strong-willed, sensitive child that is in tune with their feelings and the feelings of others. They have a big heart full of love. They are also a creative change maker that leads from the heart with fiery courage and steely determination. Yeah, so that story of Ruby is very exciting. And I'm going to talk more about being a wild heart and why I call it Wild Hearts and how that name came to be in the next episode. So stay tuned if you want to find out more about that and find out indeed if you are a a wild heart. If you're a strong willed, sensitive person, if you're an intuitive, if you're a healer, if you're psychic, if you're a creative you know you're you're very welcome here this is this is this will hopefully feel like home to you but um yeah i grew up as a strong and sensitive child who seemingly was too much and very problematic for my parents you know the black sheep of the family but little did i know that there was actually nothing wrong with me well aside from that i was a messy human being stuck in survival mode responding to generations of unprocessed family trauma and that is what a black sheep is and you know black sheeps are rare <laughs> we're rare but actually we're not as rare as as we think we are because I think the fact that we think we're rare is that people don't talk about this stuff and I think people need to talk about it more because the shame sort of survives in that silence and secrecy and you need to just blow the lid off it and just start telling the truth, which may seem easy, but um, it isn't. Because if as a child you were punished for telling the truth or you were gaslit for telling the truth, you know, no, that's not happening. It didn't happen like that. You're too sensitive. You know, I don't believe you. Then 
it's going to be hard to tell the truth. That's that's one of my challenges. On this podcast, you're going to hear me talk about, and I will be chatting away, <laughs> the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, all the highs and the ahas and the lows and the sad, depressed, shamey stuff. Yeah, that's the that's the ugly bit. Oh, and the family estrangement and the abuse. And it ain't pretty. But yeah, it, it does need an airing. I, I don't think we can heal unless we tell the truth to ourselves and to each other. And, you know, we kind of give ourselves permission. We give ourselves permission to tell the truth. We also give other people permission to tell it. And that just sets you free. So so when I started healing, ooh, about 20 years ago now, I reckon. Yeah, I'm 47 and I first went to therapy at 27. So it's a long time coming before that volcano erupted. But I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And um, I turned up at therapy after a breakup with a very toxic, it was a toxic situationship. It wasn't even a relationship. Um, And just cried big snot bubbles and realized that I had horrible anxiety. And I sort of smoked and drunk on it to keep it quiet. And an inflamed, angry, evil inner critic who, you know, made me constantly wrong and doubt myself. So I started doing the work then. And then 20 years later, here I am still doing the work. <laughs> it does get easier, by the way, if you're just starting out. I don't want to put you off. And you have to recognize that you're worth it. You're worth taking the time. You're worth, you know, getting to know and spending time and attention with. And maybe no one's ever told you that. So it turns out that I had CPTSD, which is Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. So you'll hear me talk about that. And that is just layers and layers and years of emotional, physical and psychological abuse that I couldn't get out of. Because obviously the people doing it to me were the people I lived with and I was totally dependent on them for my survival. And that has wired my brain, my very busy brain, for danger. So, yeah, that's what CPTSD is. And it normally comes with PTSD as well, which is what we associate with war veterans. And, you know, um, yeah, that's like when you have a single inc- a traumatic incident that happens and your your post-traumatic response to that is to have a, is to have flashbacks and and all the other symptoms. So we'll, we'll do some episodes on that and talk about that because I think it's important. And I think. With CPSD, CPTSD, the complex version of it, lots of people have it and they don't even realise that they have it. And once I realised I had it, I started to notice that other people around me had it too. But they didn't have the self-awareness that went with that. But obviously it wasn't their time. They weren't ready. You know, we all we all kind of come to this stuff and have our aha moments and our awakenings when we're when we're ready, don't we? Also, we're getting right into it, aren't we? Let's just get right into it. That's just who I am. No no point in messing about, is there? So uh, over these years, I've been somewhat a spiritual detective, I would say. And uh, by the way, I love murder mysteries. <laughs> I always wanted to be Jessica Fletcher when I was a kid. But also over the Christmas period, so it's January as I'm recording this. And um, over the Christmas period, I discovered Agatha Raisin. Um, which are based on the books by, I think it's M.C. Beaton is the author, but Agatha Raisin is like Bridget Jones meets Midsummer Murders. And I just love it. And it's got that dude from um, Gavin and Stacey in it. What's his name? Uh, Matthew Horn. He's like her gay best friend. And she's a retired PR 
um, you know, self-made woman, come from a poor background. And she um, she moves to a, co- a, co- a cottage in the Cotswolds. Oh, it's my dream just to live in a cottage in the countryside. Anyway, sorry, I digress. <laughs> Over the years, I've been a spiritual detective and I've tried every healing modality. Like, I'm so spiritually curious. But I think that's what keeps you alive. Like, the difference between somebody who's healing and doing the work is someone who's curious who keeps asking why who isn't scared to go down rabbit holes and do the deep work and go into the shadows and look at the darkness whereas people who are what I call spiritually bypassing who are all love and light and um, aren't really doing the work and yeah they they if you if you stop asking yourself why and you asking yourself why and you're not interested and you can't introspect and reflect then you're in trouble aren't you because you've got to be able to look at yourself in that way and I suppose the people that aren't doing the introspection and the reflection are the ones that are wagging the fingers and pointing the fingers outwards and doing the blame playing the blame game aren't they but you know there that's denial for you it's a strong protective defense mechanism I just I just feel for the people that are doing that to their kids because that's how we got here, isn't it? So again, it's that repeating generational cycles. But I've tried everything from talk therapy, so psychodyn- psychodynamic therapy I've had, um, IFS, internal family systems, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT, dialectal behavioral therapy, EFT, emotional freedom technique, which is like mindfulness really. It's the tapping. I've done inner child work. I will talk a lot about inner child work because my old job, which I'll tell you about in a minute, is what is is really what helped me heal most of all. And that was by accessing and connecting back to my inner child. So the fragmented parts of you that get split off when you when you're traumatized. Uh, constellations therapy. Oh, I loved constellations. Kundalini yoga, I've done affirmations, affirmations don't always work if you've got uh, CPTSD, crystals, sound baths, psychic mediums, meditation, chanting, oh that's how I gave up smoking, by chanting in the um, winter solstice, tree hugging, oh yeah we've done it all, walking on the grass with no socks and shoes on, running, kinesiology, food testing, reading, Oh God, I've just read so many books. I'll probably share with you or do some episodes because it will take more than one to tell you all the books that I've read. Maybe I should just cherry pick the ones that have been most helpful. But you see, the thing is, is what is helpful to me might not be helpful to you because my jigsaw puzzle, you know, that's what I refer to it as, you know, like doing a jigsaw puzzle without um, a, a box so you don't know what the picture looks like. And that's you just do it piece by piece because that's what your body allows you to do but your jigsaw puzzle ain't gonna look like my jigsaw puzzle so you know take what resonates and leave the rest you know what I say is not gospel I'm not a trained therapist I'm a life coach and a mentor and I've walked the path I know what it's like um, to live in those shoes but you must seek your own counsel and you must follow your intuition and, and got inner guidance and do what's right for you um yeah the books thinking about the books actually hay house so hay house uh publishing was started by louise hay and louise hay is the grandmother well, she's dead now bless her but she lived to a ripe old age she's the grandmother of affirmations and um when i was at my worst and 
um, I was medicated at the time, but I, I refused the medication. I used to just walk everywhere uh, listening to um, Hay House. I think I had a CD player with earphones. This <laughs> is the time before we had podcasts showing my age. And I would just listen to those Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, um, Caroline Mice, is it, or Miss? I don't know how to say her name. You know, some of the Hay House greats, Nancy Levin, Gabby Bernstein. I listened to them repeatedly on loop because I was trying to drown out my inflamed inner critic. You know, that nasty mean girl voice in your head that tells you you're a worthless piece of crap. And that did help for a while. So did the fags. So did the rosé. But then, you know, it all comes undone eventually. I think my favourite tools are the simple ones. Like we think, how can something so complex, it's called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, how can something so complex be healed with something so simple? But yeah, I I, I think my favourites are my daily practice, which is journaling and pulling tarot or oracle cards. And I don't do it every day, but I will do it most days because when I skip it too much, it's like I've fallen off the wagon and I consider that to be like a self-care practice because, you know, you're um, taking time out to reconnect and be with yourself. I have to admit, I do find meditation really, really hard still. I'm still creating that safety and that space inside my body to be able to sit still. And that is hard for me. But when I journal, I can connect to my higher self, you know, the voice that the guiding voice, not the mean girl voice. And I have learned to reparent myself. So, you know, be the parent that I never had and treat myself with love and compassion and kindness. I also love walking and um, occasionally I'm very lucky I get to look after my friend's little dog. And I just think animals are truly just love in a fur coat, aren't they? And they make things better. (laughs) they understand and that's what we're looking for if you've had a lifetime of being invalidated and gaslit and people not believing you and treating you like crap then you need to be around safe people who understand you and um you know there'll, there'll be plenty of annoying people along your journey who won't believe you and who will side with your abuser and there'll be lots of people who won't get it because I guess if you haven't been raised in that way or you haven't lived that life, it's pretty hard to wrap your head around. It's pretty hard to understand that parents could do that to their own children. But you see, that is the generational trauma when it's unprocessed and it's in the unconscious. It gets acted out. I mean, some parents do do it with intent because they want they like the power trip. But I'd like to think that most parents are doing it unconsciously but you see if they were doing it unconsciously when you pointed it out to them they would apologize and stop doing it whereas if they were getting something out of doing it they wouldn't stop would they that's kind of how I see it anyway I don't know what you think about that it's tricky because I think it's a hard truth to admit to yourself that your parents intentionally wanted to cause you harm and be in control but their trauma makes them want to control everything I mean We can still be pissed off about how we've been treated and we can have compassion for the little children inside of them that were really hurt and damaged. Um, And and honestly, if you're not feeling like that, it's fine because it takes years to get to that point and and it takes years to let it go. And that's really 
probably a big part of what I want to talk about today after I've kind of told you how I got here because you know the letting go bit is the hardest bit is the hardest bit so today I am starting over again and and because for the last of those 10 years out of that those 20 I've been a mentor and a coach to wild heart children and teens so I still do the teens bit but I don't do the little ones anymore and um, yeah my private practice is flourishing and the 10 years that I mentored young children whose parents like mine were in denial about their own trauma and they didn't get and I but I didn't get the memo because I was in denial too I was in denial about my trauma and my family. But as I got healthier and I started to realise, hang on a minute, these parents don't want to hear what I've got to say. They're just ringing me up to check that I'm doing my job properly, i.e. controlling the process. And the therapeutic process isn't something you can control. And when you very kindly and gently challenged them on the fact that they needed to let go and just let it play out, then you realise that very shortly after that they would sabotage it all and then the coaching would end. And, um, you know, I, I got healthy and realized that these parents were not invested in bringing anything to the relationship. They didn't think they needed to do anything differently. It was all heaped on the child. OK, so that's scapegoating. When you make a child responsible for your trauma, it causes them a great deal of pain. And as I started to realize that this is what had been done to me, and when I say realize, there's different levels of realizing and knowing, isn't there? You can know something in your head and intellectualize it and read it in a book but then for it to drop down into your heart and for you to fully embody that truth and take it on board takes longer and so it took me 10 years to get the memo and go oh I think you might be in denial that your parents did that to you as well I didn't want to believe it was true and yet my intuition which has always been quite sharp but I've always dismissed it was constantly saying to me uh this ain't working this is toxic. And actually, I did wonder at one point if I was actually enabling the scapegoating because by agreeing to see the child and leaving the parent out of the process, was I was I saying that it was OK that they didn't get involved? Well, there were some people that you just couldn't challenge. You just you knew that if you challenged them, they wouldn't have it. And then they would take the child out of the coaching and then the child wouldn't get any help at all. And I had lots of sessions with my therapist who then became my supervisor about how, you know, like, how can I do more? And she was like, you're doing enough. And so, you know, that comes down to the belief I'm not enough. And I was like, but this is crap. You can only do so much. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? You can't rescue all the children out of their family systems. That's something that family system needs to work through. So, you know, I was rescuing enabling, which guess what? That was my job in my family to protect and rescue and enable what was going on and then at other times challenge it and say what is this you know big pink elephant taking a shit in the middle of the room is anyone else see it no 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 it's just you you must be mad okay then I'm mad I think they did actually say I was mad at one point but but I wasn't mad I was just having a healthy response to um, a very crazy making, dysfunctional, abusive situation. And it's very likely that that was the same thing that happened to you. So it was really hard to let go of that part of my business because in essence, I was actually letting go of my family. 
Ouch. Oh, God, it hurt so much. It would have been easy to just rip the plaster off quickly. But again, it doesn't happen like that because I don't think my little body and my, you know, dysregulated nervous system could have taken all of that in one sitting. Well, it couldn't have done. And it had worked so cleverly at building up layers and layers of denial in order to survive and in order to stay connected to my family somehow because I needed them. You know, I didn't need them to just clothe me and feed me and keep me warm. I needed what I thought was love. And I want to do a whole episode on what love is and what love is not. Because if you grow up in dysfunction, love is mixed in with pain and abuse. And if you don't look at that and rewrite that description, you then go on to pick partners. You know, your inner child is doing the picking and your pick is broken. It's broken. So you call we call that actually we call that repetition compulsion. So when we go around uh, repeating um, our trauma or acting out our trauma because the child in us is, is looking for a different ending. They want the, the ending to be different but of course if you're picking toxic people that never ends well does it no so now all my those teachings for the kids I recorded them all and I put them on a private podcast there's a hundred episodes it's called uh, truly madly smiley as I was the smiley coach and um, what I do now is I just encourage parents to listen with their kids because you know they're in a child if they're ready to hear it and pay attention to it will be delighted to feel seen and reparented in that way but sadly what I noticed was that as I took my energy out of that um, part of my business and I offered parents this alternative solution that they could join in guess what happened the business kind of died died out on its own so it was very one-sided it was very un it was a non-reciprocal relationship I was doing all the giving I was doing all the hard work and they were just expecting me to wave a magic wand and fix their kids and they weren't prepared to be part of that. But they weren't, it wasn't that they weren't prepared to be part of it. They they didn't even want to understand. Like it didn't cross their minds that there was something for them to learn or more for them to do. Um, yeah, it was actually really heartbreaking. And so in order to start this podcast, I had to, to let go of all of that stuff. And since June of last year, that's what I've been processing. So whilst I joke and say, oh, I've been procrastinating about starting a new podcast, as you do when you start new things, I haven't really. I've been letting go. And letting go is not something you just do in one sitting. Yeah, it's, it's not a single event or an action. It's it's not a one and done kind of thing. It's not just like we say now, it's the 1st of January, you start your New Year's resolutions and, you know, we're just going to we're all going to be merry and bright on the 1st of January. No, it's a, it's a daily choice that we make and we let go slowly, especially of, of things that have really hurt us because we're scared. I'm afraid of what the future holds. If I let go of this thing that I've been holding on to for the last 10 years, who am I if I'm not smiley? Having a bit of an identity crisis. And, um, you know, I often, and I, I do think this is true of, of a lot of trauma survivors, hold on to things pass their sell by day you know even when they're hurting me because I'm constantly questioning myself so that introspection has gone a bit toxic and a bit wonky because I'm constantly saying you know what am I responsible for is it my fault could I do it better and that's what kept me in that job for 10 years because again I was I was working against not with because they didn't want the partnership parents who like my own just mirrored mirrored my parents to a T 
And I just had to learn the lesson that there was nothing I could do to get those parents to hear me or see me or understand what I was trying to tell them. Even though I was the authority figure, I was the expert. They were paying me for advice and they would ring you up and say things like, God, just thinking about it just makes me laugh because it's crazy. They would say, well, you know, why don't you just try teaching them some mindfulness techniques? And I just thought, why don't you just butt out? Because your child is so emotionally dysregulated and does not feel safe that we can't even begin tools and techniques. We need to create emotional safety. I need to build trust with them. But how do you say that to a parent who's clueless and doesn't understand? Um, in the end, what I used to do is I used to do a lot of, if I knew that I couldn't get anywhere with the parent, I'd just do a lot of head nodding and smiling and lip service. And then I would just go back and do the work that I could do with the kid and then put them back in the toxic puddle from whence they came. It felt like such a, I want to say it felt like a ripoff. It felt like, but my therapist said it wasn't. It was still making a difference to those children. She used to say to imagine if you had someone in your corner and you spoke to someone like you and they, they validated you and they saw you and they listened to you and they laughed with you and they were interested in you. And I said, yeah, but it's not enough. And she was like, well, that's all you can do. So, yeah, I'm big on overgiving, maybe not so much in 2022 <laughs> and staying, you know, long after the party's over. Uh, and, you know, I just I just found this particular letting go hard because, you know, it, it ran parallel with with letting go of, of my family. I was going to go through a few of the things that I learned about letting go just to let you know that if you're on this path, you're doing really well. And I am your cheerleader and I'm going to stand by you and say that you're doing a brilliant job and it's really effing hard. So one thing I wish I'd done, which I've already mentioned, is I wish I'd listened to my intuition. Because once I started to get healthy and I realized what I was dealing with, there were layers of trauma. There were layers of trauma that just, you know, every time I said, you've got to stop doing this, you know, you've got to stop doing this. I just pushed it away and said, no, no, I must try harder. I must try harder. There must be something I'm doing wrong. And it started really slowly, like I gave up the workshops because I was like a Sunday babysitter where people would drop their kids off for two hours while they went and had coffee. Um, and then I and then I moved out of my coaching room and stopped the face to face because being around the parents, as you can imagine, was really triggering for me whilst I was still healing. It took a lot of energy for me to kind of zip up and protect myself and and be face to face with the parents. And I felt like having the screen and doing the um, the online sessions that gave me that extra layer, that extra boundary um, of protection which if you're a sensitive person, you'll understand like being around people can be really overwhelming and uh, being around uh, unhealed people can be bloody exhausting. And if it, if it reminds you of your family, then woof, then the flashbacks, you get the emotional flashbacks come in. So how could I heal? You can't heal in the place that hurt you. So how could I heal when I'd put myself in the same place or a situation that mirrored what I'd grown up in? That's the that's the uh, repetition compulsion. So uh, my and my intuition was pretty loud and strong, and I ignored it at all costs. So don't don't stay where you're not welcome. If people are not meeting you in the space where you are, at least meeting you halfway and giving you something back. Don't bother. Just go. Just go. Um, and it will be scary. But in order to have courage, and courage is just the willingness to 
the willingness to try. That's what I used to teach the kids. It isn't about being a big, bad, brave boss bitch or whatever they say on on TikTok. I don't know what the kids say on TikTok. Show me age now. (laughs) But it's about, you know, knowing that you will be scared and you've got to, as Susan Jeffers says, that was one of the first books I read, feel the fear and do it anyway. There will be fear. But if you just have the willingness to try, and like I said, I did it in baby steps. So it was one step at a time. I stopped the workshops. Then I took the the face-to-face away and I bought it online. And slowly, and that was intuitive, I was meeting my own needs. But it took 10 years to go, oh, I don't think this is the job for me. And yet people would be like, but you're brilliant with the kids and the kids love you. And I was like, yes, but there's a conflict of interest because the kids love me. But who's paying my bills and who do I have to speak to? Parents who are like tone deaf, basically, and who sometimes were not very nice and polite. And if I wasn't careful, then I would get scapegoated. (laughs) I obviously didn't let that happen. But, you know, if the child was being scapegoated, you can bet your bottom dollar that if I started to ask the wrong questions, I was going to be next. Well, my adult self wouldn't let that happen because I had boundaries. But my inner child lived in terror of that because she used to get punished when she was the scapegoat. So, you know, I had to let go of so much stuff. And I think the thing that's the hardest when you're letting go is all the feelings. It's the feelings that we're scared of. And, you know, I guess some of the feelings I could mention here, because this might be helpful for you. I don't know if it is, but I'll I'll tell you some of the feelings that I felt. I felt heartbroken and disappointed and frustrated and angry that it didn't work out. And that was before the deep sadness came. But the anger was really, I directed it at myself, interestingly. I was cross with myself and resentful that I had overgiven and, and hadn't read the room properly. But again, when you're dealing with people like that, how can you freaking read the room? They're not showing up authentically. They're not telling you the truth. They're not having conversations with you. They're avoiding you. They don't want to have those conversations. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be responsible. So, yeah, I was angry with myself and, you know, I was I was upset that I hadn't trusted myself and and then the grief came the tears came and and that's how you wash it all away and and I had to let all of those feelings come in and space for that energy to dissolve and shift so let's look at some journal prompts now before we before we say goodbye because I think that's enough for a first episode if you're listening to it and thinking crikey this woman is intense you're right I am I'm a big joker and I deal with a lot of my pain with sarcasm and humour. But I will go deep. I have Scorpio in my eighth house. I'm a Scorpio moon in my eighth house, if that means anything to you astrologers. And I know that we have to go into the darkness and tell the truth about our darkness in order to heal from it. We have to. Or, or I've had to. As I said, your jigsaw puzzle may be different to mine. I mustn't make assumptions. That's another little thing that I do. (laughs) Right, let's do some journal prompts. So take out your journal if you've got one or the notes page on your phone. Ask yourself these questions. What am I holding on to that no longer serves me? And by no longer serves me, I mean causes you pain, causes you stress. It takes a lot of time and attention and the output is minimal or zero. So what am I holding on to that no longer serves me? The next one, what am I afraid of when I let go? 
I'd put a little wager on that and say that it's your feelings. Because when your feelings are all mixed up with trauma inside your body, that doesn't feel safe to feel. Especially if you were uh, punished for uh, having emotions or emoting as a child. You know, that will all be, it won't feel safe to feel. So you've got to, you've got to flex your feeling muscles again and get used to feeling. And the, do you know what, guys? There's loads of episodes on Truly Madly Smiley. I, I'm not plugging it like I'm not expecting you to buy it or anything. But this is where I get frustrated because I'm like, eh, I've already done this once, but I've done it for children. But on there, I talk about how to process your feelings properly, why we why we don't want to process our feelings, why we might avoid them. I mean, mostly it's because those kids are around people that can't be with their own feelings, let alone their child's. So I reckon that's why when a lot of people listen to the kids podcast that they just shut it down because, uh, you know, they were being triggered and they didn't understand what was going on. Anyway, I must stop going on about that. I will talk a lot about my healing experience through the lens of my old job because that is how I met my inner child by hanging out with those kids. I mean, inadvertently, I was help healing and supporting them as well. But, you know, that's how I met little Lisa. And only by meeting her and telling her that she was loved and she was okay and there was nothing wrong with her repeatedly for 10 years did she then feel safe enough to be a grown-up and tell the truth. Another question for you. What can I do to help and support myself at this time? So really upping the self-care. If you're letting go of something, it's going to create a hole in your life. All those feelings are going to come up and fill that hole. And then... How are you? What do you need? What do you need when you're angry? What do you need when you're sad? What do you need when you're disappointed? Do you need to phone a friend? <laughs> phone a friend. That's that. Who wants to be a millionaire? Is it? Do you need to phone a friend? Do you need to go and see your therapist? Do you need to go out for a walk? Do you need to cuddle your dog? Um, journal it out. I Journaling is just the best. I'm going to do lots of episodes on journaling. I may even make you a journal if I feel creative. Creativity is a great way to express yourself, to express <laughs> creativity reaches the parts of you that other things cannot reach that's like that beer advert what was that Cronenberg Heineken or was it Heineken oh I can't remember but creativity um, is a channel for your feelings and your pain and your self-expression last question is how you're spending your time taking you closer to or moving you further away from your hopes and dreams? Let me say that again. Is how you're spending your time taking you closer to or moving you further away from your hopes and dreams? So they're, they're your journal questions. Have a reflect on them. Um, if you would like to share them with me, you can email me lisa at smileyforlife.com. I will post stuff on Instagram so you can contact me through my DMs. I'll put all the links of the things that I've talked about today in the show notes for you. So that's it for our first show. We made it. <laughs> it took me a really long time to get here and there was a lot of procrastinating, let me tell you. <laughs> I even cleaned my oven before I sat down to press record. So, you know, it's not just you that does that. And I know that telling the truth is hard, but we must if we want to get better. Your story matters and you matter. So until next time, stay wild, choose love. So much love to you. Bye. <laughs>